Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard 2.0. We're so glad you're here. Season 2, Episode 9. How you doing, Dad? I'm good, man. How about you? Doing good. We survived another storm? We did. That was, uh, that was oppressive. Yeah. yeah. Was, <laughs> we, we, we were very fortunate this time that um, the tropical storm Etta, um, which did go just north of us as a tropical storm, fortunately, the way it was put together... The bad weather really didn't affect us. It went up into the counties north of us, into Dayton. Broward got it mostly. Wind and, and, and water. They're still flooded, some of the neighborhoods there. But we were really... We were fortunate here in yeah. Big Pine Key. We, we, didn't we did a lot of, like, last-minute hurricane prep at my house. And then when nothing happened, it's like, come on, man. Yeah. But we, were, we, were, we didn't even lose electricity, which we were very, very thankful yeah, for. Yeah, that's, that's a, nice when the house stays air-conditioned. Yeah, yeah. So and, we, were, we were just kind of hunkered down and... Not breaking uh, out the propane smoker to make your coffee no, you're, kind you're of good. deal. Provisioned. We were ready if it came. And um, it's been a long hurricane season. I know Theta is out there already. And there's one that looks like it might head our way again That's uh, we've got to watch next week. It's very late in the season, and we don't really like looking well, at hurricanes. I, I think this has been the busiest year ever because they've went through the, the standard alphabet, and they've gone through the Greek alphabet. Now they're just kind of coming up with... Ada and Theta. What happens and if they run out of the Greek alphabet? I, well, they've already done that. <laughs> We're past that. So I just like <laughs> Hebrew alphabet's not. <laughs> I, I don't even know the Hebrew alphabet. <laughs> you don't know the Greek alphabet. I don't know that one yeah. either. No, I know I, Alpha and Omega. Well, yeah, that's the yeah, but uh, the beginning and the end. So you know, it's uh, just an, it, this has been a interesting year let's uh <laughs> one for the record books lots of things have changed this year that we're gonna are gonna impact our lives um and and yet at the same time you know um even though everything seems to change god is consistent solid he's not pacing the throne room he's got us we're in a bigger story and you have to remember that okay that that's very important that no matter all of the circumstances i know they impact us some but they don't, they're not the major motivation in our lives, okay? We have a better story. We're part of a better story, and we have to remember that. And, and God is, in, you know, in control. So don't let all of the circumstances take you down, take you out. They're just that. They're circumstances. Circumstances change, and, um, and just keep pressing in. Uh, which is uh, a great segue for this, the, the sort of the Vine the Press vine section press of our questions. podcast. We have several questions from you guys that uh, we're going to answer on the show. If you haven't been able to, you can go to vinepress.com, submit your questions there. Is that right? No, it's hellovineyard.com and keysvineyard.com. You can also just text them to you if you have his number if the website doesn't work for whatever reason which happens sometimes yeah that, that the bible <laughs> institute it's where I, I house all this stuff on the bible institute site it's it's having a little tech issue and i you know i started the bible institute in 2014 january 2014 really with i had about 25 students here that i wanted to sort of connect and we did that and um, worked them through and got them an associate degree. The institute has taken off since then, over 1,200 students now. And probably that website, so I've been doing a website from the beginning, it's probably getting close to, uh, it was never meant to have 1,200 students. And uh, I'm probably at the point where next year it's going to need some sort of major overhaul. But it works 90% of the time. Yeah, which is, you know, good 90% of the time. Yeah, yeah, or, you know. 
I mean, even C's get degrees, right? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But, but we will. I don't like things not to work, so <laughs> no, we're, we're gonna. I've got to spend some time tweaking it. Actively work on it. And, well, yeah. there was an upgrade that's messing up some other stuff, and so I think the upgrade fixes the problems that we're having, but causes me... Other problems. That's, that's other what problems. happens when you upgrade. Anyway, okay, I think we get into our questions now. We're not trying to be a weather podcast or a current events podcast. We are a answer your Bible questions podcast. So here's the first one. Do you think that uh, classical comedy, as you've talked about the last couple of weeks, was inspired by the Bible? Um, some of the... Uh I would say that some of the uh, literature that we might consider classical was definitely inspired by the Bible. Like a lot of Shakespeare was, in, you know, can find all the Bible, in, you know, throughout there. Um, so going back to that point, sure. Um, prior to that, you know, really old stuff. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It, it's are there any pre-biblical plays? Yeah. Well, there? Not play, but there's a lot of pre-biblical <laughs> literature. Liter- yeah, and and there's songs, and I'm sure there's plays, and there's a lot of stuff that um, uh, is out there. That uh, as the Hebrew people were getting story, there was already they already knew about story. So some of it was sort of in in the in the work. So you know, uh, ultimately I, everything's can find its inspiration back in in true inspiration back in what God has done. And then, you know, the, the demonic and the evil powers twist it, which is what you can see in a lot of the other literature. So, um, uh, you know, yes, Scripture has definitely inspired a lot of literature, comedy and tragedy, um, but may not uh, all of it. It's like, the, it's like the thing that I told people recently. I, I recently ordered on Amazon a chicken and an egg. I'll, I'll let you know which comes first. Very nice. Oh, that was unworthy of my laughter, but, you know, good good attempt. <laughs> <laughs> you just laughed. <laughs> okay, moving right along. I, I think maybe one of these days we'll have, like, a YouTube series where you just say bad jokes for, like, five or ten minutes. Yeah. That ten-minute mark is the YouTube, like, sweet spot. So, if, But that would be very hard to do every week. Yes. But then, you know, like, it could be a few bad jokes, and then you mansplain it. There you go. That could be the series. Because yeah. that's your favorite thing to do. I had to it's explain Dissecting the bad jokes. I had to explain joke. a bad joke to your mother yesterday, oh, which made gosh. it even better. Yeah. So well, I'm going to save it for the weekend. Yeah. That's, that's worthy of... That's a potential oh, it's uh, a YouTube series there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next one. <laughs> you often mention reading Proverbs. Do you have a favorite proverb, and can you share it with us? Sure. And like a lot of things, I have a lot of favorite things. Uh, and, you know, I've got different favorite Proverbs, like, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not on your own understanding. That's a big one. But I think one of my absolute favorites is Proverbs 14, 4, um, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. And uh, that's been a favorite of mine. Uh, I used to use it all the time when uh, we, we had a group of uh, sort of interns, if you were, would, who... Uh, who I was mentoring, and they were doing a lot of ministry, and it was great because a lot of things were happening, but they were such a mess. And I would come in, and things would be wrecked, and I knew exactly who would do it. And I would quote that proverb, like, oxen! I would call them oxen because they, they just couldn't learn that one part to me that's really important. Finish your circles. Finish your... Like, if you make a mess, clean up instead of, we're tired now, we're just going to leave. And um, they would make a mess doing things... And, they had, you know, they were doing indoor go-kart races 
without me knowing <laughs> until well, I found out. Because the, they didn't finish their circle, and they had actually left the, the go-karts charging right by the kitchen door, which I thought was hysterical. And, and Fran and I knew well before you did. We saw him do it, and we were just kind of laughing because, like, who does it? Anyway, I, I don't know if they watch the show or not, but they know who they are. Yeah. And mo- most people will know who they are when you see me smiling about it. Anyway, that's a great <laughs> proverb because it's – and it's true in so many ways. True. You know, if, if – if, uh, it, it often takes a little mess to get things done. That's kind of life. All right. So moving right along. Do you think participating in Bible studies where you study a book of the Bible, a person, theme, or God's character, is a way we can comply with point three of your message, the scripture needs to be read and understood? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the, uh, you need to spend as much time in the Word as you can. Um, and... There are different ways. Like right now, I'm really trying to encourage people to read it from beginning to end because so many people haven't. The numbers of people that haven't read it, and I always want to be careful I say that because people feel judged, and I'm not. It's a judgment. If you knew how the percentage of believers who haven't read the Scripture, if you could get them to admit to it, I think you'd be astounded. Um, and they just haven't read it. And there's a significant number of people, I would suggest, that are actually in ministry haven't read it. So... Um, you need to read it. Then, you know, from there, you need to break it down and study it. Now, some people have passed by reading it and just dig into studying it, which is fine. But read it and then, yeah, then go back and go at it, a, a, you know, a book at a time, a passage at a time, a verse at a time, a person at a time. Uh, there's lots of different ways to look at it. And do it in ways that keep you interested so that you're drawn back into your study. Uh, and, and so, yeah, great question. And, yes, that needs to be read and understood. All right, next one. Would approaching our Bible reading with time, reading time with pen, sorry, uh, paper and a highlighter be a form of coming to Scripture expectantly? Yeah, and I think there's time for that. I think there's times for, well, I think there's time when you, you just come and read, and then there's times when you, you want to be reading it even more intently, where you, and then you're highlighting and underlining and doing all those things. I think both are extremely important, and... Uh, when you come with highlighters and stuff, I think that's very expectant because you're expecting that you're going to get something that you need to highlight. And uh, you, you should have a Bible that is your highlighter Bible. So, and it should be well highlighted. And just get in there and highlight like crazy. Um, One of the ones with like the thicker paper rather than the really thin flippy paper usually work better for that because yeah. the, the thin paper ones just bleed. Yeah, and, and then, then you're, you're highlighting, you're highlighting something yeah, yeah. where it's just, you know, a bunch of names and stuff that yeah. you can't so pronounce. You can play with a different thickness of paper, but uh, and usually thicker paper means it's thicker. You know, if you get a real thin line one, the paper's real thin and those do just bleed right through. You figure out, you know, we're, we're blessed. That's one of those um, that not only do most of us have a Bible, we have a number of them, and so you can do different things with them. But um, absolutely come expectantly, come ready to highlight, make notes, do all those things. All right, next one. When you said that Scripture needs to be appreciated and then quoted Hebrews 4.12, do you mean we need to appreciate that it reveals our thoughts and intentions that go against God's perfect and good will for us, that it corrects us so that we can continue in communion with him? Yeah, the, you know, the celebration I was talking about was they were weeping because they realized how far short they'd fallen, uh, you know, and th- that was in our Nehemiah reading, Nehemiah 8. And yet Nehemiah and Ezra said, listen, no, and, and the Levites all told them, don't weep. You need to celebrate that you're getting it, um, that you're hearing the word, you're understanding it, you're realizing that you're not living up to it. It's causing you 
um, some some discomfort, if you would, uh, so that you change. And now celebrate the fact that you realize that you, you need to change. And, and so the scripture, uh, and I tried to make this point, should impact us at times that way when we read it. It should sort of go, ooh, I'm not living up to that. Or, ooh, I don't, you know, that's a, t- a tough one. There's a lot of verses like that that you just can't skip over that need to be impacting you. You know, love is patient. I tease about that one all the time, but, but that's a, that, should, that stops me often enough. I get right there and go, oops. Because um, I'm not always patient, and so the scripture catches me on that one. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different things. You know, be be patient in affliction and all those other things. Like, well, I'm not not living up to that. So, lots of scripture should have that impact on you, and yet at the same time remind you, Holy Spirit's in you, and He's helping you to grow, and He's leading you in all those directions. Now, Hebrews four, interesting, and we're talking about studying the Bible. If you looked at Hebrews four. Hebrews 3 and 4, basically, the writer of Hebrews is, in those two chapters, is talking about Psalm 95. And, and so you can see it. He actually quotes most of Psalm 95 in those two chapters. And I have it here, but I'm not going to read it. But, but you can go and make that study. If you want, go and look at Psalm 95 and see uh, what's going on in there. Because Psalm 95 is uh, about not getting hard-hearted. Uh, you know, and he, the writer of Hebrews is saying, it, you know, it needs to be changing us and having an impact on our heart. We've been saying that. And then, really, the psalmist is going back into Exodus 17. See, this is, this is when the Scripture starts to open up. You go, oh, okay. So the he, writer in Hebrews is referring to a psalm, and the psalmist is talking about a story in Exodus 17. And the story in Exodus 17 is when the people were just constantly complaining about God's provision for them here in the wilderness. And... Uh, you know, it's shocking because he's, he's just given them quail and he's given them manna. So, so, you know, amazing. And he's telling them, only take what you need for the next day. And they don't listen to him and it goes bad. They're, they don't know they can trust him yet, but he keeps providing for them. And so they get quail and manna. And then at 17, you know what they're mad about? Water. They're not getting them. And so they, the, the thing is, we'd rather go back to slavery where we knew this was taken care of instead of trusting God on this adventure. And so all of that is sort of being tied back into what's going on in Hebrews 4 and that whole thing. So, so it's kind of fun to tie all that together, but, but great question, and yes, that's what's going on. All right, next one. Could reading the Word of God be considered an act of worship? Absolutely. Um, one of the, I don't know if I said it all four uh, of the weekend services, but in one or two of them I said this. You know, one of the things you can do when you sit down with the Scripture is, is actually think that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And... Uh, you know, I, that's that Mary and Martha story. Uh, one was busy working and one was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him. And, and I, I like that picture. Uh, and so I do believe it's absolutely an act of worship. Uh, it's an act of praise. Um, and sometimes it, it might actually be sort of a sacrificial act because we may not feel like doing it. Um, it's all those things. So just continue to make it a priority in your life. All right. Uh, next one. You mentioned that not reading the Bible is an attack by the enemy. Where should we draw the line when it comes to saying that something is an attack? Yeah, so um, we don't want to blame every thing that happens on the enemy because sometimes it's just us being selfish. And, uh, uh, and probably most of the time that's the bigger issue. But I have what I've been trying to say more about trying to make... a. Uh, reasoning why people who've come to follow Jesus haven't 
been compelled to read the scripture. I haven't realized that's the most important. I mean, if Jesus is everything, I need to read his word. Why is that so difficult? Prayer. If prayer is, is the language of living in the overlap between heaven and earth, why is it sometimes so difficult to pray? And, and I believe that the enemy has a, a level of oppression on those things, a level of something, distraction. There's something going on there in those areas. Now, um, certainly it could be, you know, other things that, and, you know, just it could be you know, laziness on our part, lack of discipline. It could be a lot of things that we need to deal with. But um, I believe in those areas there's a definite sort of oppression. So um, you have to kind of discern, and you can't blame everything on the enemy because a lot of it's us. But, um, but I think there are some things we can be aware of that he might be adding a measure of intensity. Like for um, those of you, I know some of you watch are, are you know, studying for ministry and stuff. Um, uh, there is a level of things that happen um, when you're going to do ministry. Uh, and you, um, you get used to it over time, but it definitely picks up. This, I don't even know how to explain it, um, but there's this level of stuff that comes on you because the enemy is trying to keep you from doing what uh, God would have you do. And you have to decide, well, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and you kind of break through it. But um, that's a very real thing. I, it's something I sense often, and I think, okay, um, you know, I have to push through, and I get what this is, and so I'm not going to let it stop me or, or, or you know, impact me. But... That kind of stuff happens as we're trying to press in to do what God would have us do. Awesome. Next one. What would your response be to a person who claimed that they didn't need to gather with other believers and that they can worship God and read his word on their own? Yeah, uh, you get that a lot, unfortunately. Uh, Oftentimes, those folks have been hurt by the church or something. And uh, I get that because it can be a hard place, unfortunately. It's... uh, Church is not a perfect place. And so um, those things kind of push people away and they, where they don't like parts of what's going on or they don't like being told things or, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and that's sad. I always, you know, I want to tell people, you know, you need to keep looking until you find a group, a church that, that you can connect with. Now, you'll never find a perfect church. So let's just get that off the table. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Um, and once you, if you found a perfect church, they wouldn't let you in it. So um, that's, you know, that, that's just the way it works. There's a, and so you kind of have to push through that and go, well, you know, is this a place where I feel like I can connect and grow? And is there enough about it that's moving in the right direction that I think it's my church? Do I, do I sense Jesus there? Those are the questions about a church. But if you have somebody who's, who's like that, if, you, you know, one of the things I go with, Hebrews 10.25, one of my favorite passages, say all the passages, let us not get up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the, the church, um, you know, it's about us connecting and bringing our gifts together and, and encouraging one another and helping each other in a thing. And so to say that you don't need it is the wrong emphasis if you're not attending a church as a believer, you're not bringing your gifts and your talents and your encouragement into the body. It's very selfish because it's not supposed to be about you. It's about how do I bless other people? See, that gets us so, so re, that not going to church puts, unfortunately, people in the center of the story where they don't belong. Jesus' story. 
Can you worship God? Absolutely, you can worship God uh, on your own. But that's not what you're called to. You're called to being a part of the church. That's part of the whole thing. And that causes, you know, there's conflict. There's all sorts of things. But that's really where we grow as well. You know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, if you think about it, is only developed in the context of a little bit of conflict conflict in relationship with other believers. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Those things are fairly easy to manifest until you have to do it with somebody else. You know, I can be really patient when it's just me. Um, and really kind, but, you know, bring other people in the mix, and then it's less about me. So that's kind of the emphasis. The answer, you know, the thing is, sure, they can do those things, but they're then holding out on what they're called to do, and I don't think you can really then um, experience the adventure the way that you're supposed to. So, so um, you know, that's one of those selfish things. And we have to be careful with that. We We tend to do a lot of things selfishly, like, I was reading something earlier this week, and uh, I'm not going to get into it, but, but um, my response I can get into. See, see is when, when we, um, we are not to respond to people based on how they've done us. See, uh, it, there's a golden rule, right? We're always to treat people the way we wanted to be treated. How they've treated us in, re- in return, how they've treated us, isn't the issue. That's between them and God. How we treat them is we're going to continually treat them the way we want to be treated. Now, does that mean we you know, let them run through our boundaries? And, and No, no. It just means because you've said or done something that I don't like or didn't like at the time, now that I have the opportunity, that's not how I'm going to respond. Because ultimately, I don't want to be dragged down to that level. I want to live as a believer and Jesus is pretty clear. We're to treat others the way we expect and the way we want to be treated. That's a kingdom dynamic. The other response is a cultural dynamic, which is, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But, and we're called to something way beyond that as believers. So uh, I've kind of gotten a little off track there. But anyway, there you go. All right. Uh, next one. I like how you tie in and give a brief explanation of where we are in the story. Is there a Bible that you recommend for readers who would like to gain a better understanding of timeline and explanation? Yeah, there is. And actually, I pulled it up on my iPad here. And uh, this Bible is called the One Year um, Chronological Bible. And it's kind of fascinating. Uh, It breaks down the Bible into a year's worth of readings and then brings in the Scripture chronologically, which kind of helps you follow along the story. Now, I don't um, recommend this for that first-time read-through that I'm talking about, but... If you, if you do it once and you're thinking about doing it again, this might help you really start tying things. So it grabs the, the word and then puts it sort of in a chronological order into how it fits, which will help you understand the story, I think. So, uh, so yeah, that's a great way to go. A chronological Bible. I, I got it on my um, Kindle for 10 bucks from Amazon. Nice. It's not bad. The iPads are great to have Bibles on. I mean, <laughs> you can highlight stuff. Um, your notes will sink across devices. There is something about having a hard copy Bible that just makes you feel better about it. But it's, you know, it's a good option. So, yeah, I, and I, I would say both. Yeah, both, both is good. Because I spend a lot of time on my iPad and my computer, honestly, studying and stuff. But um, the problem with those is that you can also there get easily distracted. Because <laughs> you're just a swipe away yeah. from when, when you're in limitless. It's much harder to get distracted. Right. So both is the good yeah. answer to that. I was just getting some extra questions loaded in that we got. Um, all right, here's the next one. 
this person was reading Second Kings chapter 18, verse 4, where the good king Hezekiah was removing idols and broke the bronze serpent Moses had made in pieces. You said this is a picture of Jesus and explained that it was sin on a tree and it brought healing. It makes sense because Jesus has come, but you've said the religious leaders in Jesus' day knew he was the Messiah. They just didn't like what he was doing. But it seems like none of the religious leaders then, from Hezekiah to Nicodemus to Paul, really understood even the bronze snake until Jesus explained it to Nicodemus. Do you think they understood these signs, which seemed so obscure until Jesus arrived? No. Um, great question. Good insight. You know, the, the reason Hezekiah destroyed the bronze serpent was because the people were worshiping it, worshiping it inappropriately. They were told to look at it, not worship it. And so it had become like an image, and that's what the issue was. And um, so if you go back and read the story, it's a great story about what was going on with there. And, and uh, while they were told to look at the snake, and, and uh, um, you know, then that would save them from the poison. And, you know, I've inferred how that's similar. Jesus used that story with Nicodemus to show how, you know, he was in effect going to take the poison of the serpent on and then everybody who's in, all of us that have been in, infected by that poison of the enemy at the fall, all of us, by looking at Jesus, we're saved from it. So that's the bigger story. Um, did they get a lot of that stuff back when they were happening? No, you know, and, and they would lose track of the word, and um, depending on where they were, and, and things would happen, and they were always going their own way. And there was always this mixture that was going on that they... Um, even the good kings didn't fully wipe out stuff. You know, they would go after it, but leave places. And so there was a mixture of worship happening. So they probably didn't get all of the bigger pictures that were, you know, they were supposed to get. And then, um, uh, you know, and having Paul gets it when he starts to realize who Jesus is. Um, then all of a sudden it all opens up to him, which is what happens for all of us, really. Once we realize who Jesus is, then the whole thing opens up, and it changes everything. But people who don't have that revelation read the Scripture in a different way. So um, people who know the Old Testament very well but don't believe in Jesus see it completely differently. And when we're reading about Isaiah and seeing Jesus, they're reading Isaiah and seeing Israel. And so uh, it's the moment of revelation that happens and couldn't have happened for most of them until the cross so, uh, and the resurrection. And, and then the re- receiving that and understanding it. So once that happens, things begin to change. So, yeah, there was a lot of um, uh, in history where they didn't really know the word or they knew parts of it or they were watering it down and compromising. And a lot of things um, were going on like that. And, and uh, you know, that's, uh, that's one of those things that's happening. So, yes, great question. Um, Jesus... Jesus brings to light, Jesus' fulfillment of the Hebrew Scriptures, so once we get to Jesus, then a lot of it makes sense. It didn't make sense to them. Good explanation. we got a few more questions left. Uh, Last week, we saw Israel find the book of the law after it was lost for years. Uh, Then this week, Ezra's sermon was the first reading of the word since the exile for most of the people. Fast forward to the Reformation. Once again, only the elite in the Catholic Church had access to God's Word. Why do you think that God has allowed the access of His Word to be restricted at times throughout history? Okay, so um, here's the issue. It's, it's not that God has allowed it. It's that people have settled for it. So, um, 
and you, it happens today. And I, again, this, so I always want to be careful when I say these things that I'm not picking on people or criticizing them. But a lot of people today uh, will settle for going to a service where there's no scripture or almost no scripture. Um, where the scripture's not read, where it's not taught, where it's not encouraged. Um, and they will settle for a different gospel, basically one that's more social, uh, one that's more, you know, I, I don't know, the, the, the things that happen. So um, it can only happen if people allow it to happen. In, in the example, you know, at the, the time of the church, and, you know, when I say Catholic church, remember, Catholic means universal church. And so uh, we're connected to that church. I know that, you know, we're, we protested since Martin Luther, and I get that. But, but when you talk about the history of the church, you know, that, that first 1,500 years of it is what we would know as the Catholic Church, and it still exists. So, not picking on the Catholic Church. But they did get to a point where they had restricted access. They kept it in a language that hardly anybody knew, and you average person didn't have um, the Scripture. And part of that was their feeling like that's how they were going to preserve themselves, that they needed to be needed, or people would just get rid of them. Um, and so, so often, you know, we don't trust God for those things that God, keeps. he says, it's important, God, Jesus tells, nothing will prevail, against, even the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Church is going to be here. We need to settle it's his church. We're his church. So, um, what happened then and what happens now is that people will allow that. They'll settle for it. They'll, they won't go, hey, this, uh, you're, you, why aren't you reading the scripture? Why aren't we being taught? Why aren't we being encouraged? Um, and if that's the case, that's when you sort of go, well, I, I, you know, I need to be involved with a group who values the Scripture. And, and um, that doesn't mean that, even that, I'm not saying that we might agree with every point of doctrine with one another. But there needs to be some basics that we agree on. And then the rest of the stuff, we need to go, okay, we'll allow Holy Spirit to teach us. But there needs to be that attitude. Also, you know, there was... Limited access because it, it, you know, not certainly a scroll was an extremely precious, uh, expensive thing. So they weren't everywhere. So you couldn't have one, you know, unless you were extremely rich, you wouldn't have had a scroll of any of the books in your house. And on top of that, you know, it hasn't been too long where, you know, education was sort of a big deal. It was only the most wealthy and powerful would get educated and the lower class would be... So they couldn't read, regardless. Right. So, right. you know, I think that's another contributing factor sure. to it, too. But praise God for the printing press and uh, Martin Luther and uh, the protest and getting us the scripture and all of the martyrs who stood up and said, we've got to get it into a language that can be read. And um, God bless them in the church that we have it today. Now the trick is not to take it for granted because we have so much access to it. We're like, oh, yeah. So now we don't read it. Uh, you know. I know. It's, it's a button press away. Yeah. And, and people don't engage in it. So uh, rather than saying, you know, why has God allowed the access? People, it's really people, like it always is, have allowed it to happen and still happen in many places. People don't read scripture. I'm shocked by people that come and tell me that they've gone to church their whole lives and haven't heard I can't tell you how many times that happens. Well, I've never heard anybody. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That, could, that should have been your entire church experience, is that someone um, was, as part of that experience, was teaching Scripture uh, and, and ex, you know, making it a, a big part of everything. You know, there's a lot of things that we do in the short hour that we have, but Scripture is a, 
Scripture is a huge part of it. Worship's a part of it. Fellowship's a part of it. Discipleship's a part of it. Evangelism is a part of it. All those things are a part of it. But you, 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 you could do all sorts of good things and miss out on the, on the best. Uh, and we don't want to do that. But that's a great question. All right. Uh, these were a couple from the text messages. So I'm loading them up here. Uh, you said we need to celebrate the scripture. That was one of your points from this week's message. And this person agrees, yet sometimes when they're reading the uh, the Rathi, it was the word this person used, <laughs> passages, uh, they'll often do just sort of the, the opposite, which is normal and kind of to be expected without digging in and seeing. Uh, how can they learn to celebrate even the scary passages? Part of that is by recognizing that because of what Jesus has done, He's satisfied all of the scary passages. So um, it's a reminder of how amazing Jesus is our, and God is. You know, fully God, fully man, Jesus came. You know, it's um, sometimes people look at this whole idea of Scripture wrong because uh, they, they don't know the whole story. And, and they think God is some big meanie, you know, who, the only way he's satisfied is by killing his son. And it's ridiculous. Um, uh, we've chosen to go our own way time and time again. God has loved us so, so amazingly that he actually came, fully God, fully man, to pay that penalty for us. Um, and, and so it's a love story, not, a, not an angry God story. And um, we have to see that. And so when you, when you see some of the hard stuff... Um, it's consequences of living in a fallen world. We blame a lot of stuff on God that the enemy's fully engaged in, and we're the ones that invited the enemy into the story. You know, um, he was there, but the only way he could get in is if we invited him in. You think about that. So um, that's on us. And then still God has made a way for it, and he, all the hard, wrathy stuff Jesus dealt with. So just be thankful for that. And when you see those things, that's, that's what you should go to. Oh, I'm thankful for Jesus. Good question. Excellent question. All right, last one, and I have the verse loaded up, so I can just read it to you. You've got it on your notes, too. Um, what is the takeaway from Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27? Uh, they found the verse very interesting, and they've been pondering it, uh, but they're unsure, and I'll just go ahead and read it. And it is right here, 1724. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? See, just read it like you know how it's pronounced, but in that Hebrew, you want to go, So, yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. So they want to know sort of the, the insight that they can take away from your wisdom. Okay, great story. It's a fun story. Um, and, you, you know, you might think, you know, the, and the point of the story isn't that Jesus can make a coin happen in a fish's mouth, um, which is also pretty cool. Um, but that's not the point of the story. And um, it's really not about Jesus just trying to be a good citizen and paying taxes, although that's important. Really, it's, it's about seeing the bigger story. And this is really important for us to get. 
Because we can get hung up sometimes on, it's usually justice issues. Well, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. And, and, uh, and so you have to approach the bigger story. Now, so Jesus have argued about the temple tax with sort of a, a very low-level temple tax collector, which is what this was. Would that have made any difference at all? Uh, in the story, no, the, this guy who was collecting the tax, he didn't have any power over whether or not to do anything about it, um, way down the chain, and, um, it, you know, why make enemies of somebody that can't do anything, and Jesus isn't about making enemies, right, he's about making friends, so um, might as well just go and do it, now you're going to find later on that Jesus will actually go in there and overturn the temples, the tables in the temple, because he doesn't think that this, this is something, this tax shouldn't happen. You know, the, the people of Israel um, were uh, scripturally told to give, but that's different than being taxed. Uh, there's a whole different heart behind it. And, and so they resented the tax. And unfortunately, once people are taxed, they often, that becomes a power thing, and they start to use that money for other things. It gets corrupted very quickly. So that's always the issue. So the bigger point of this story, for me, is strategy. It's uh, that you can see that Jesus has a strategy. He has a time. He knows when things are going to happen. There are times when um, you need to make a statement, and there's times when you don't. Uh, and um, it doesn't mean that, that it's not correct. It's not, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just a, where does God really, does God want me to step into this right now? Do I need to do something about this right now? Is it on me to do this? Or is this just uh, another demonstration to me that there's this mess going on and I know the bigger issue? And, and is there a place later on where, where it might be addressed differently with um, something that happens? And so I think this is really a model for how we are to pray and wait for what we need to do sometime. Because Jesus will deal with this issue uh, later on. Like I said, he goes into the temple where there's more of the people that are in charge, and he overturns the table. I notice they get upset with him, but they don't, they don't know what to do with him either. <laughs> uh, ultimately, they'll have him killed for that, but, but you know, that was all part of the story that, and part of the plan. So uh, I'm just saying, as believers, um, oftentimes we need to work on having more of a soft edge than we often have. And, and people think, well, if you have a soft edge, that means you're not... I understand what Scripture says. I understand how we're supposed to live. I want to do all those things and live by the Spirit. But I also know that, that people are uh, in a fallen world struggle. And if I come off with a hard edge, I can't usually minister to those people. And, and that's not what I, what I want to do. So, uh, you know, a lot of times what we need to do is even when, when we get our hackles up about something that's clearly wrong in, in the way that we determine, you know, what justice is, it's not always that we're to respond to it. Sometimes we're just to pray and wait and see where God would take it. So to me, this is just Jesus, you know, it's part of Jesus' strategy. Eh, here's what we're going to do. Go catch a fish. Give them their taxes. We don't need to offend them at this point. We don't need to offend this guy over this thing. You know, let's just take care of this, and then we'll, we'll go in the bigger picture. So that's kind of how I see that. Cool. Great questions. Thank you guys for submitting them. Uh, you know, I'll just say it again. You can log on to hellovenue.com, church websites, upload your questions. It can be about the sermon or Bible reading because we're encouraging that. So thank you guys for those questions. Or, you know, I was thinking they could even ask me style tips because, you know, 
I got it going on. Or maybe you don't take style advice from the man who wore tropical fish shirts from uh, that place in Isla Mirada for 20-something years. <laughs> he doesn't listen to any of the advice I give him. He is better dressed than me right now. Got to give you that. I do plan on getting sweaty in a bit. And, like, I was dressing nicer for the podcast. And then I was like, I'm just going to work afterwards. But I have to go to the store later. So I wore my sneakers with socks. So it's yeah, really not yeah, the best so, so you lose it at the, the shoe it's department. Not, yeah. Well, I, normally I would wear Crocs, but I don't like them for walking around as much. The, the only style advice I've ever given you is please wear darker clothes. So this is a nice outfit for the camera. There are times where he's wearing white or very bright pink shirts. And he's just glowing. And I'm like, there's nothing I could do. <laughs> on the, anyway, so so no style advice right now to keep that up. I no, think no, that's I a, meant that's they, a, they shouldn't ask me for style advice. Well, you know, style like Bible reading style tips. He's your guy. Clothes. All right, fine, whatever. Ask my mom for style tips. Yeah, that could be another YouTube series. Yeah. Anyway, uh, why don't you tell us, not about your clothes style, but about this week's sermon, Keep in Step, Part 4. I think we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a bit. And it's actually kind of funny. Uh, I have to put in all the notes that you see on the slides, and I'm like, Dad, you never sent me the notes. And usually he gets them like three weeks in advance to me. It's not quite that advanced, but now I'm seeing it on the Vineyard Bulletin. So I don't need you to send them to me anymore because I've got them right here. Oh, okay. So... Uh, Keep in step, part four. We're looking at First Timothy. Why don't you give us a little uh, sneak peek into what we'll be studying this weekend? Yeah, it's another, you know, the, the, the first parts of this have been about um, how important the Scripture is and how you see it in the story. When I wanted to pop into the New Testament here. And then um, we're going to see Paul encouraging Timothy to engage with the Scripture, um, to keep his hope in the right place, to stay involved in the story, um, to persevere. And so I think I've got like four points that I'm going to look at in those verses uh, in First Timothy chapter 4. Uh, just to, about, you know, staying together, importance of Scripture, hanging on to it. And then, where I think we're heading next, and I've had different ideas since I started this story. I knew what I wanted to do was get it going, talk about Scripture, and then, you know, really look at a, a, a some part of Scripture and dig into it and and see how we can sort of, Practically read and apply scripture now that we know the bigger story. And uh, I was, oh, was going to do John for a while and I thought I might do Acts. But I've, I've settled on, I think we're going to take a look at Galatians. And part of that, I, maybe that it was when I picked the title, uh, Keep in Step, uh, is because that comes out of Galatians. If we live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. So I think we're going we're gonna, to we'll jump out of Timothy and then we're going to start digging through Galatians together. Uh, not, not, not like, you know, real deep, but deep enough that um, you sort of get an idea of, okay, well, here's a book, and here's how the story is, and here's what it says, and here's how I need to live. And so that's how I would sort of tie this together. You know, the Scripture needs to get into our heart, into our minds, and then it needs to be happening in our lives. We actually live it out. That's how it has the most impact in the world around us. Awesome. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. Uh, this week's worship set, in case you were wondering, I can give you that. I've got my uh, Planning Center app. Right in front of me. I think maybe next week we'll try like a two-table setup because it's getting a little crammed up here. You got we have all of our d- big iPads and pens and notes. Uh, and we're we're compact. Yeah, it's we're definitely not minimalist though. Anyway, uh, worship set 
Uh, we're going to do another new song that I've just been digging lately. It's called Egypt. It's by uh, Corey Asbury on the new Bethel album that we've done several of their songs uh, earlier this year, too. That's a really good one. If you haven't looked it up, you look up Egypt, Corey Asbury. We'll be doing that one this weekend. Uh, the next song is a vineyard worship song, You Meet Me Here. Uh, it's by Annabeth Morgan. I've actually got to uh, meet her. Funny story with her. Um, we were doing this stream for worshipteam.com earlier in the year. And I was having to like communicate with 12 different people. And some of them were going to be live. Some of them were pre-recorded. Pre-recorded was way easier. Pulling in different people live into one place. Very difficult. So, you know, the TV stations make it look so easy. It, it was very difficult. So we were trying to do it live. And, like, I was actually remoting into her laptop. And I clicked something. And it caused it where I could hear her, but she couldn't hear me. <laughs> there was an audio setting and I was like trying to communicate just reboot <laughs> and she called me a turkey so anyway it's kind of a funny story I don't think she'll watch this show but it's you know <laughs> you do turkey <laughs> that reminds me can I tell you a story a story I had yeah yeah so I was at a conference one time and I can't remember that maybe you'll think of her name in a minute she's a really popular vineyard worship leader from Ireland Written Catherine Scott of, it might have been Catherine Scott yeah I, I'm pretty sure so anyway so, um, she's actually at the Anaheim Vineyard now. Is she? Yeah. All right, anyway, we're at this conference, and uh, it's, a, it's a large vineyard church conference. So, um, it's, it's there, you know, I know we're in a tiny little area, but for many, many years we've been over a thousand, at least until COVID hit anyway. And uh, so, so, we got invited to these conferences, and there would be, uh, there's about 30 vineyard churches in the United States that are a thousand or larger, and then there's the overseas ones, and there's a number of them. And so uh, it would be once a year we would have this conference, and all these people would be invited. And so it was up in Ohio this year, and I was invited in, and uh, one of their worship guys didn't make it in the morning. And so the, the pastor up there came to me and he said, "Would you lead worship?" Well, you know, I'm not a. I'm, I, I used to lead worship here years ago when it was a smaller church. I'm kind of a hack. But, uh, but we, we, there was no way. I wasn't going to say no. So I, I was like, okay. And I, I, I thought of a couple of songs. I think I panicked, texted Doug, send me music for something. Because he didn't take me to those. It was just you and mom got to go. Yeah, yeah. It was a so I, I'm, I'm up on uh, the stage. And uh, all of the vineyard stuff I know is really old because that's when I used to do it. And I, I start to worship and I look out. And, and there I note that it's like... Catherine right. Scott's sitting in the audience. And she, I thought, she wrote the song, Hungry. I'm falling yeah, yeah. on I'm, my I'm like, knees. Yeah. well, she would have been a much better choice. <laughs> <laughs> because the room is filled with all these big church pastors. And I, I remember thinking, really, this is... Anyway, I, uh, I stood up there and did a couple of uh, two or three old vineyards. And they were all very receptive and very kind. Um, but it was, very, it was one of those experiences where you go... This could have this could have been a whole different sort of thing, but anyway, it worked out okay. Yeah. So after that vineyard song, uh, we're doing one of my favorite songs we did last year, uh, "Prophesy Your Promise" by uh, Brian and Katie Torwalt. So that's a good one. And then we're ending the set with "Ain't No Grave." I like it. That's so a, that's a lot of fun. That song. It'll be a fun worship set this weekend. Um, so. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're looking forward to seeing you this weekend. We're made possible by Church, Keys Vineyard Community Church. Uh, join us Saturday night, 7, Sunday, 8, 9, 30, and 11 on anywhere that you can watch us on streaming, like Facebook, YouTube, uh, the website, 
our Roku, Apple TV Apple. and Roku apps also work beautifully, too. So uh, check us out there. Also, keep checking out the Bible Institute at onlinebibleinstitute.org, the Jesus Moment Bible Institute. We're over 1,200 students, like he said. We're awaiting a revamp, but we'll, we'll keep the site going until we can revamp it as best as possible. And uh, also download the app, the Keys Vineyard app, if you haven't yet. It's a good one to check out. It's got all sorts of good links on there. And I, I think we're probably going to do a revamp of that app soon, too. Yeah, so. so be praying for us as we go through that. But we would, uh, we'll be redoing all this stuff in the next year or so, I think, is a safe bet. So it'll be a, we're going to make it happen one way or another. But anyway, thank you, guys. God bless you. Goodbye, we'll Vineyard. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.